Hey, it's Pretty Little Grown Men. Hi. We're back. We're talking about an episode called Burn Me, Burn Off. Don't don't burn this. Don't burn me. No. <laughs> burn after it. reading. It's, it's, it's not called any of those things. <laughs> uh, I'm I think, being, actually, I think it's called Burn This. It is called Burn This. Okay. You got there. You nailed it. You knew this the whole time, Dave. I didn't know it until you said it, and then then I was able to make the connection. Uh, I'm Dave. Uh, I'm th- Dom. This is Dom. Hi. Um, this is Pretty Little Liars Season 6, Episode 18. We're cruising in to the end of this half season. Uh, just two episodes to go. This was sort of like a medium simmer episode to keep the... Uh, Flame metaphors going. Yeah, uh, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, better I liked, than last week. Yeah, I, I agree. Better than last week. Uh, some confusing stuff happened. There was one really great flashback that I thought was well acted and actually very effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of the episode, Dom? Uh, I think I felt the same way. Um, I, I I also agreed that the the flashback. It it went somewhere that I didn't think that the show was willing to go, um, and because I I did feel like the flashback was going to be a very standard breakup scene where the two characters uh, Toby and Spencer express something that we could have assumed anyway, which is that they're just growing apart, that they want different things. Toby's back in Rosewood. Spencer doesn't really want to return to Rosewood. She has bigger ambitions. And that all along, Toby's uh, beat cop nature would be considered not enough. Um, And I think that was a really good uh, interaction where Toby basically accused Spencer of sort of harboring ambition for him, uh, which I think is a pretty... Um, realistic thing that come that can often come up in couples, and I think that you know, and and think just thinking of like past relationships where you, if you're with somebody who's an especially ambitious person, and you know, like I've like when I moved to Portland, I was with somebody who was in law school, and I didn't have a job, and I felt like my life was kind of going nowhere and she was like on the on the brink of a very seemingly adult life and I felt I felt I was like I was fine like this is where my life is and I'm okay with that but I always harbored this fear that she thought that I wasn't ambitious enough that right I didn't have enough uh, drive um, and I thought that 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 dynamic between Spencer and Toby was uh, very realistic and very well done yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and it comes in the context of this pregnancy scare. Uh, and the first, this it's divided into a couple of different scenes. And in the first one, they don't even really talk to each other. They're just kind of looking at each other. And you're just, uh, they're just like acting, you know. And you're just kind of soaking up the, the emotions just from the way they're together in the room. Mm-hmm. Not really wanting to be together in the room. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was very realistic in the way all these other tensions come out because of this particular moment, you know, mm-hmm. and neither one really wants to get into it, but they kind of do and they're scared. And I, I thought it was one of the better, uh, scenes this season for sure. Um, and especially 
in the context of like showing them growing up and showing them becoming adults and everything. Uh, this was definitely one of the hallmark scenes I think we've seen. Yeah. It's this, this season has been a bit jarring in the sense that we have to come to grips with the fact that these are, that the liars are adults and they do adult things and our, our paradigms have shifted as far as how we see them. Um, I remember how scandalous it was to see Arya's naked back when she was hopping on top of Fitz. And that now is, shouldn't be scandalous, you know, but because it's like, of course they're young adults. They're adults. They're doing adult things. They have adult problems. Um, But that doesn't, it's still, I I feel like it's still kind of like, oh yeah, like a scene like this needs to, it's, it's a good reminder that they aren't in high school anymore. Right. Um, we, speaking of Fitz, we got a lot of Arya and Fitz in this episode. Uh, last week, of course, we have Arya's parents getting married. Fitz is not at the wedding. Uh, but in this one, doesn't that seem strange? Like, I feel like the parents, uh, especially Chad Lowe was pretty close to Fitz to the extent that they were very friendly. Well, they had that weird connection of the the mystery of uh right. keeping the relationship secret. Yeah, that is kind of a funny thing. Well, you think that they would he, have, he would have been invited. Yeah, that is kind of a funny thing. Um but I guess in terms of uh of this episode, we were kind of talking about this last week or maybe the week before of like solving the Aria Fitz book problem that they should just take co-credit <laughs> and someone on the writing staff must have heard us and written it into this episode sure. last minute. Definitely <laughs> our idea uh, that Ezra would pitch it to the book people and have them be co-writers, uh, which goes through and it brings up some interesting feelings for Aria and for Fitz in terms of like, well, why do they really? Why does he really want to do this? Yeah. Why does he really want to include her? Not just for the fact that she wrote half the damn book already, <laughs> and it would be really stupid to throw out those chapters and start from scratch. Okay, I have a few thoughts. Obviously, my thoughts are going to be colored by my feelings towards the characters, especially together. But um, you know, that's a given at this point. Uh, my first thought is I and I and we said this while we were watching the show, the episode. Um, I don't understand why it can't just be a co-written book, why it has to be this sort of like shifting of voices and dialogue and like a dialogue between two different voices. That doesn't, that sounds so just, just co-write the book. I mean, you right. already it, did it. Right. It seemed, that seemed like sort of a funny, like unnecessary ad- plot addition based on the fact that Arya had already written all these chapters right. and had already taken the book in this different direction why now split it with this new dynamic yeah and then it becomes even weirder that uh in in the in the in the the pretty preposterous scene of them talking about the book and you know essentially finishing not not finishing each other's sentences so much as not having to finish each other's sentences because they know exactly they're on the same they're definitely on the same page yeah uh they're really locked in (laughs) and you start thinking like oh this is a creative this is a functional creative relationship yeah maybe that implies other things but then it takes it in a different direction well that's the weird thing is aria is obviously suspicious because it's rightfully rightfully so that um she would 
I, I, she doesn't come out and say it, but she assumes that Ezra still has feelings for her. Um, Selfish Arya. Right, of course, because Arya... Of, exactly. Uh, and then Ezra's explanation is that Arya... It, it actually, now that, I, now that I'm trying to explain it, it doesn't make any sense. Uh-huh. Because his explanation is that he's not replacing Nicole's voice. He's somehow getting closer to it through Arya's help because Arya doesn't have the same baggage that he does. But that doesn't make any fucking sense. Well, he needs he I think he's trying to say that he needs someone to step in and help him to express this voice of Nicole and even though Arya is a different person, uh, he's putting her in that position because he can't do it himself. He's blocked from doing that because of like the tra- the trauma of losing her, right? And wanting to be like careful of her memory in a way that Arya, by not knowing her, doesn't have to be. Um, so you're going to get something that is not that's a new voice, which is where like this idea becomes sort of funky. But I guess you can see how it makes sense to Fitz, maybe like as he emotionally tries to make it make sense. So I had this thought, which is that uh, I had this thought when we were watching uh, Tanner, who's in this episode. Um, and uh, we, or we griped about this in the last uh, podcast episode where, um, I mean, I griped about it, especially uh, where, cause it just pisses me off that the, somehow the Rosewood police department is so, inept that someone like Tanner who completely fucked up a major investigation in town is somehow still uh, assigned to it again basically assigned to the exact same case uh, and is acting in the exact same way that that led to her fumbling the case before well that was another little swerve I think in this episode and it was something one thing that has been cool about the season is the characters address a lot of the issues that we have yeah. with the show and they just like bring it up and try to deal with it uh and in this one it's aria who's brought in to stand in this lineup and she sneaks around the back and figures out that it's probably sarah harvey it looks uh, remarkably like sarah harvey that she was the person who brought in this like this evidence of the person yeah uh, basically what happened was uh that someone said they saw someone who looked like Arya calling Charlotte the night of the murder from the Two Crows bar, and that person, Arya, eventually discovers, has a uh, what, uh, a pink a pink dye keychain. Yeah, paradise. Paradise. Uh, and um, that uh, so Arya is called in to for a lineup and. It's never revealed whether or not she's picked out of the lineup, but uh, it's well, it's sort of implied. But so this gets to the show calling out uh, some of its issues. Arya walks back into the uh, police headquarters and says to Tanner, "After everything that we went through, after you pulled me out of out of this prison, aren't you going to take what I say seriously?" Mm-hmm. And Tanner's like, "Yeah, that's why." And I don't, I, I don't have to act on every accusation people make, and that's why 
you're free to go. Like implying that you were picked out of the lineup by Sarah Harvey, even though maybe it was Mona. Right, which is so weird because Arya has the same reaction we did, which is if Sarah Harvey came to the police and, and was like, I saw someone who remarkably looks like Arya Montgomery making this call the police would probably be like uh, we can't take you seriously you're not a reliable witness whatsoever right. now what I what I was going to say was you have this very complicated relationship between our or between Tanner and the police department and the girls so much so that we are hardcore suspending disbelief right now that Tanner is even remotely assigned to this case let alone making any progress, let alone still has a job. Right. Uh, why Why bring her back as a character? Why not assign someone brand new to the case? Why, why do you have... There's no reason that you have to still have this character on the I, show. I think it's to make the girls more paranoid. I think it's to bring in this, like, this cop that they already don't trust, and that means... And that's a reason to keep them away from the cops, and it increases the... Uh, validity of them not doing that even though it seems like obvious in this adult world that they should just bring everything to the cops immediately so I guess what I'm I guess what I'm saying is maybe something also tied to this co-writing idea between Ezra and Arya which I feel like it's being it's the the book is being explained in such a way that feels very overwrought I feel like you can get the same drama needed and the same plot uh, construction required out of just having them co-write a book together. Right. You know, and you'd still get the drama with Liam involved and obviously the the continued uh, unrequited romance between Arya and Ezra. And it's the same thing with Tanner. I don't understand. I feel like this episode became became very it became very apparent to me that I feel like some of the writing on the show is becoming so it's becoming overwritten uh-huh. like they're writing themselves into corners that they don't even remotely have to approach right and so it's just like I understand that, that what you said about Tanner makes sense but you could still get the same drama on the same plot out of assigning a brand new detective. Oh, I, yeah, I don't think she's essential to the story at all. And it's the I same don't... thing with like the, the 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 them writing together. Like, you don't need to explain it as two different voices and have all this bullshit about. Like, I think, <coughs> excuse me, I think they're trying to give Ezra an arc. I think they're trying to give him a redemption arc, and I I don't know if it's working. Yeah, you know, but I think that's the intent. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think it's overcomplicated. Um, it something, is overcomplicated. Something yeah. that I thought was going to happen in this episode. So this was like sort of a well, sort of a. I guess uh, there's a lot of Spencer. There's a lot of Hannah in yeah. this episode. So in the Hannah plot, everyone's sort of off doing their own things in this episode too, which was interesting. Uh, but in Hannah's little section, suddenly her mom is throwing a bridal shower because in the PLL verse now things happen between one episode and the next in either like weeks pass by without anyone acknowledging it or everything happens overnight. Right. Uh, which was super confusing mm-hmm. and it felt almost gossip girl esque in which every episode of gossip girl has some kind of party or giant event that presents an excuse for everyone to be in the same room in some like heightened dramatic situation. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it's kind of you know in Gossip Girl you expect it, but it is like a lazy gimmick, you yeah. know, to create these artificial situations for people to all be in the same room. Uh, but anyway, um, Hannah is a total bridezilla, as she calls herself. She is like going through a lot of her taking out her insecurities on other people again, mm-hmm. uh, particularly her mom, and about the way in which her mom hasn't connected to Jordan. Right. Uh, but it becomes really clear in this actual shower where everyone shows up that no one really knows anything about her relationship with Jordan. And mm-hmm. she has like closed them off uh, for whatever reason. Yeah. And we never once get to know any of Hannah's friends from New York, apparently. Right. It's just all these uh, totally anonymous people who get like no actual screen time, <laughs> no lines. <laughs> None um, whatsoever. But I guess the thing that happened in this sequence that I thought was going to go a different way again, uh, Hannah has this like, so they're, they're still in Lucas's apartment mm-hmm. and Hannah has this like iPad or tablet or whatever with all the, the, the wired home stuff. So you, you can control the air conditioning and shit like that. Uh, which is all very modern and makes mm-hmm. sense. But, it somehow sets off this crazy like security system or whatever. And it's unclear if this is like an a trap or uh, just a screw up on the software. But what I thought was going to happen is that Hannah was going to be going through this app and finding surveillance stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I really thought was going to happen and proven wrong. Right. So maybe Lucas is not this like evil villainous character, but who also happens to have this like flaming, uh, insane thing in his apartment yeah i mean we a a eventually does claim or new a devil emoji does claim um that the fire was set by him or her right with with a with a flame emoji um which is funny yeah and uh right a flame emoji um but yeah i think that i and I, you know, at this point, I'm I'm feeling, and I, and it's Hannah's mom who asks this question succinctly, which is it's it's a good question to ask, which is like why why is everyone acting so shitty towards Mona? Um, well, and that kind of presents what that makes it seem like is there's this missing piece of the Mona Hannah relationship. From the last five years, we haven't seen anything regarding their interactions. I mean, obviously, after the, like, Charlotte going to jail and so on, and we found out that Mona straight up killed a person, you know, there's really no reason for anyone to be friends with Mona. Right. And she kind of goes, they all go off to college and so on. Um, so it it's sort of a funny question. It's like, well, they stopped being friends after Mona went to Radley for trying to kill her with a car, mm-hmm. you know, like, and then there was some, some detente after that, but they were never close again after that. So it be- no. it's sort of a funny question for the mom to ask. Yeah, I suppose. I guess it's, it's probably, they probably are also thinking that Mona was just put through just as much shit. Right. That's true. You know, as they were, um, and I do, th- and I, and I, it's hard to side with, you know, Mona, there, at one point in the episode, Mona confronts Spencer because Mona tells Spencer that she was fired from the other campaign, the opposing campaign to Mrs. Hastings. Um, 
that she was fired because they discovered that she had something to do with leaking uh, the Hastings medical records to Spencer or to the to their campaign, uh, and 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 then Spencer's like, well, how do I know that you weren't somehow involved in framing Caleb for this? Right, uh, right, which is like a fair question. I feel like I think Mona is. I'm going to say she's being pretty authentic in this season. Yeah. Well, so yeah. far, I believe her that she's trying to do good things and right. not be evil. And her response, I was totally sympathize. I, I sympathize with that response, which is just like, I've been trying to help you and your, in your response to me helping you is to accuse me of doing, doing evil. Right. But we've seen this with Mona before where she's always playing her own game mm-hmm. and she's trying to help the liar. She says she's helping the liars. She's going to figure out who a is, but it was all like with the Mike situation with the hidden blood. That was a plan that went wrong or did it. You know, <laughs> I mean, Mona is still a giant question mark as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and the show so. is not going to, I mean, the thing about the show is that it's sort of, conveniently chooses to present these characters as being one way or the other Mm -hmm. you know they're either seem totally good or seem totally bad right and there's never this uh it's it's like with melissa where everyone's known for years well melissa's probably bad she's Mm -hmm. probably done terrible things but she just runs away whenever we confront her so we never have the full story and it's the same thing with mona where there's all these unanswered questions and Yet none of it gets addressed, and no one forces her to sit down and be interrogated. Well, yeah, the the reveal about Melissa is is sort of. I feel like they brought what's his name, Nolan Nolan North, whatever, whoever Mister Hastings is. Uh, the narr- the narrator on that short film that we watched with Cabernet. Um, he, I feel like he was brought back simply to tell Spencer about what had been going on with Melissa. Right. Okay, so that's a big reveal. So we know in the past that he's in on Melissa's secret, Mm -hmm. which was the video that she left for Spencer a couple seasons back, saying that she buried Bethany Young, thinking that Spencer, not Mona, uh, had killed her. Right, right. And that she was covering up the... She thought she was being a good sister and covering up the evidence. Uh which is sort of an insane thing to do. But anyway, uh, <laughs> the dad reveals that Melissa was being blackmailed before Charlotte got out. Right. And the, the, I, I, I'm, I'm laughing because I was just thinking about how, you know, he's being, he's being such a, an adamant dick throughout most of the episode. And then Spencer's just like, what are you doing? You just let a you Melissa killed somebody and you just let her go and then he's like, well, "Let that, me tell you everything that happened." Right. Now. That was like a crazy sequence because that escalates so quickly <laughs> from like all of all the things you could call out Mr. Hastings on regarding like his values, you know. <laughs> uh you go right to your daughter killed a person, which number one isn't true. She just buried a person. No, yeah, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, at first I was like, "What? What well, is Spencer knows? saying?" Right. I mean, she didn't, does, I mean, does that imply that Bethany Young was still breathing when she got smacked in the head with the shovel? Well, like, I think, or or is or is Spencer just exaggerating? Spencer must be exaggerating because, as far as they're all concerned, it was Mona who killed Bethany Young. I mean, that's 
canon as far as I'm aware. Yeah. I mean, maybe Spencer was just exaggerating. Well, it's just like like, she buried, she buried a newly dead person. Right. But it's, it's just one of these interactions where presumably this conversation was had in the last five years Mm. and we're, we're not privy to it. And so it feels like a little bit beyond what we know, Mm -hmm. but it's an emotionally charged situation. So maybe this is not, you know, maybe this is not a great season to nitpick details on. Uh, well, what is a good season? <laughs> to yeah, details on that's probably that's probably fair. We should maybe we should know better by now. Well, it's just it's really. I guess I just got really really frustrated because we're supposed to look at Caleb as this noble person for taking the blame. Yet I don't. I really can't buy the fact that he has no choice. When Spencer's just like tell, tell him. Caleb, tell him the truth, and he and he and he's like, I can't, I, I just can't. Well, it's this sort it's, of it's supposed to be noble, but it just comes off as just like, dude, just fucking tell him, just tell Toby. There's no fucking point that you cover this shit up. Right, right. It's well, the same it's thing this... when they they're going to the cops about about a like the cop like we said this while we were watching this. The cops know about a. They know everything. Why why are they so afraid of telling the cops about a new A? Right. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a great point. And it's like the more – and we saw them lashing out against this in the first handful of episodes. We're like, we're not teenagers anymore. But now we in this episode, it seems like they're really into old habits and they're really just yep. being given the runaround. Mm-hmm. Even though they know that maybe the A person – knows jack shit and the golf club thing was well we know the golf club thing was fake right and yet they're still kind of going around like well this person who we are 99 percent sure is sarah harvey uh definitely has power over us and we should take her seriously right yeah it's a funny situation and then of course you get the escalating violence in the last episode with the car not sarah harvey but the killer potentially Mm. uh and in this episode you know, Lucas's exploding fireplace, mm-hmm. which sends Arya to the hospital, which is a pretty big deal. And yet after that, in the wake of the bridal shower, everyone's just like hanging out. still at the bridal shower cleaning up. No one's like this was an A plot to set the house on fire. And we need to like protect Arya at the hospital, especially after what happened to Emily at a hospital like two minutes ago. Right. It felt that felt really like. What are you even doing? Who is it? It felt it felt like the liars were really detached from each other in this episode. Yeah. There was no solidarity. They're all kind of going through their own issues, um, which was an interesting dynamic. And I guess we'll see if the show kind of continues to just let them drift apart like that. That's that's a good point. I I what I would add to that too is you have someone like Hannah's mom who her just accepting that this was a large technological accident seems out of, totally out of character, especially from a character who in the past has seemed pretty intuitive when it comes to knowing that something else is up. Not to mention ghost visions. Someone who is in touch with the other side. Yeah. Seriously, ghost visions. Little ghost children that she's seen and interacted with. Um Right, exactly. Why is no one like, oh yeah, you know, this is this 
this bears remarkable resemblance to all that crazy shit that happened to you guys five years ago. Right. And also there is a murder investigation going on again. Right. But she's also, to play devil's advocate again, uh, you know, she's mother of the bride. It's a it's this party situation. She's not thinking that anything horrible is happening in the background. She's just trying to be a good mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But and and she her and Hannah go to stay with Arya. Why the other liars aren't there is anyone's guess. Um apparently it's more important for Emily to clean up than it is to go be with her friend who has second degree burns. Second degree burns? Those are serious. Those are serious. Yeah. It goes in the opposite way. So first, second, third, third right. of the, the worst. Yeah. Second degree burns, that's like yeah. Definitely be in the hospital. Uh, and of course, Fitz shows up and acts in this perfect boyfriendy way, and they're having like this nice interaction. And then Liam gets there, and Fitz is like, "Ooh, I need to peace out because you're the boyfriend." So that's well, cool. You which also, is which is fine, right? That's well played. Yeah, I mean, you think that Arya would say would say something like, "Oh yeah, I, re- I miss Liam. He's not here." Um, but she does not seem in any. She's pretty much smitten with the situation well you were shouting at the tv where's liam yeah where's liam and he gets there and he's like oh my phone died <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry just got just plug my it phone took in. me like 12 hours to charge my phone yeah uh... <laughs> um i was put off by a lot in this episode i gotta i gotta say there was a lot it yeah, felt really sloppy there was yeah i don't know if it was sloppy there was just a lot that was sort of confusing and you know, again, like just felt a little bit out of the intu- an intuitive understanding or what like mm-hmm. what a natural behavior would look like. Right. Um, what else happened in this episode? Well, so uh, uh, Emily goes the, yeah, to Emily investigate uh, the car that the the sentient car that killed her tried to kill her. I mean, um, this is a totally baffling thing where she just is walking around. And and she runs into Fitz, and she hears this funny noise. She's like, I've heard that noise before. It's the evil car. Yeah, maybe it was the sentient car that tried to kill me yesterday. I've heard that noise. Where did I hear that noise? It's such a funny... It's like the level of... There was a lot of, like, intense detective work happening in this episode. Like, (laughs) that seems sort of out of the liar's usual capabilities. Like, for one... Okay, so in the opening minutes of the episode, um, there's this piece of cake with lipstick on it. Uh, they're cleaning up after the wedding, mm-hmm. after uh, Arya's mom's wedding, which is okay. So this is a really strange thing. It's literally the day, the morning after Arya's parents' wedding, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, oh yeah, Hannah's bridal shower is tonight, which is a thing that we didn't know was tonight before. Mm-hmm. You know, I w- whatever, it's fine. Or the next day, or yeah, whatever, it's yeah. that whatever, it's sloppy. No, it's true. It's true. Yeah, it's like. We were just in the last episode talking uh, to Hannah about, like, she just set set the date and suddenly... Well, she literally has this conversation with Arya's mom about how she hasn't set up her bridal shower. And then all of a sudden... And then two days later, it's it's the next day. But Hannah, the bridal shower is tomorrow. Yeah, okay. So that's sloppy yeah. uh but what i what i meant to say was the la- <laughs> the closing shot of episode 17 is the new a person with a slice of cake mm-hmm. and in this episode there's this cake with lipstick on it that's unexplained that aria says oh don't eat that there's lipstick on it and hannah's like oh gross 
And I was like, is that a direct tie-in to last week? Is that somebody's, is that Sarah Harvey's lipstick? Yeah, it could be. Uh, and then we, Aria's just like going through photos on her camera and she's like, oh, I didn't take these pictures. And like zooms in and finds these crypt, this cryptic message series directed yeah. at the liars. That was just, which is like, why would you not just text them? Wouldn't wouldn't that be like, <laughs> wouldn't that be like a whole like a huge amount of devious work to go to, like in case someone looks at the photos like two weeks later? That's exactly know? what I thought. Was that was that a a must be pretty confident to assume that Arya was going to figure this all out pretty quickly. Um, also, when is election day? We aren't given any sort of time period. Uh, we assume that it's coming up soon. This is this is all the Twilight Zone, man. The, I think the normal properties of time that just do not apply to this season. Also, dream, uh, dream logic. Also, also, yeah, <laughs> dream logic. Also, also, uh, how do you get lipstick on cake? Is there someone just like mouthing cake? I don't. How do you like? Are you kiss, is someone kissing cake? Sarah Harvey just slathering it on. Oh, the the lipstick was on the fork. No, it was on the cake. Or no, it was on the fork. Hillary's right. <laughs> Hil- Hillary is off camera right now, giving us uh, spoilers. Yeah, it was on the fork. Oh, I just imagine just like lipstick stick marks on like the frosting of a of a piece of cake. Someone's just like, no, I, I'm not gonna eat. Well, this. so we know that we know that this new A person was at the wedding. Right. We don't see Sarah Harvey, but we do know that somebody, presumably Sarah Harvey, has been taking on all these workmen like. Uh, masks mm-hmm. you know being the maid being the like person who works at the hotel right so we can surmise that this that sarah or somebody just put on like a caterer mask and snuck in being a caterer mm. you know i don't know if there's a printed theme. up these little special little cards yeah i don't know if there's a theme to be connected there of like presenting like blue collar people as you know as evil spies <laughs> hiding like hiding in plain sight instead of <laughs> instead of like tracking them with cameras and all that stuff. If that is uh some bit of subtext, I'm all on board. That's very subversive of pretty little liars. I mean maybe it's a critique of them all being like minus uh minus Emily who has to like raise money. You know, everyone else is just like it seems pretty chill. They can just be absent from their jobs or from whatever and have all this time off or time away and it's all everything seems pretty cool, you know. You drink wine all the time. Like there you know, it there is like it's not gossip girl, obviously, but there probably is this critique to be made of their uh just kind of idle privilege. Oh yeah. I don't know if the show is actually trying to make it, but Well even Arya who's like, I'm just an assistant. Right. It's like, uh you do not you seem to have more money than just a person who's only an assistant. Right. Well, I mean, that's just none of these shows ever present anyone not having enough money, except unless it's like a big deal that they don't have enough money and it, right. then it defines the character. Right. Exactly. Um, I miss Mike. Yeah. No Mike in this episode. No Mike in any episode. Yeah, we still like, don't know what went on. The connection, the chemistry between Mike and Mona, we never got resolution on. That would have been nice. No, uh, we we don't see that. I guess he's off filming Teen Wolf. Man, he's living it up in the dorms. He's probably the king of the dorms. I'm sure he's doing great. Um, what else do we... Scoring some hot chicks. 
what what else did we get not get to in this episode? The Emily plot. Oh so yeah. Emily's like tracking down this car that tried to attack her. She goes to this like random spooky garage with like a bunch of biker people and this guy who's like, I'm not gonna help you. Well well we we were <laughs> I thought it was a woman. I think it's a dude. <laughs> Dave thinks it's a dude. I don't know. We should have looked at the name tag. It was like Pat. It just it it that did not seem like a a female friendly situation. Uh, no. Well, regardless of whatever uh, gender that person uh, was or identifies as, the uh, but this gravelly voiced person with long stringy hair um, refuses to help Emily. But then once Emily shows her or him a picture of. Melissa, that person is then like, "Oh, uh, you need to get the fuck out of here." Well, so spooked, that was spookity spook. Okay, so this is a crazy. First of all, Emily's being told you need to peace out. So Emily's like, "I'll just go to another part of the garage, and you won't see me doing it, <laughs> and that'll be fine, and that'll yeah. just be the next scene." Uh, how big is this garage, man? Like, yeah. I've, I've ta- you know, I've taken my car in before. <laughs> it's not like a warehouse. <laughs> um, so that was like a funny scene where Emily does find the car, which is like clearly being hidden out in this garage. Uh, and then at the end of the episode, the A closer is not our mysterious gloved friend, but it's this guy at the at the auto shop pulling out this like wad of $100 bills. Mm-hmm. And so our question there is... Was he being paid to hide the car to or to purposely mislead Emily? And again, it's one of these things where it's like if the particular noise of the car was intended as this clue when we know the liars are like extremely incompetent detectives, but who somehow have like the spider sense to track this (laughs) down. That's like such an unbelievably elaborate clue to position to like so that they could. So that Emily could go in and like suspect someone, and this person could like throw her off the track. Right. So that whole scene, that's the whole sequence was like extremely. I just didn't know what to make of it. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've, I mean, Emily. I guess the the takeaway is that Emily discovers that she's kind of onto something. That someone's paying some like that person's involved somehow. Right. Right. That this car exists. It's being hidden. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I guess the other... And it's not Melissa who's driving it. We know that. Well, allegedly. Probably probably. I mean, allegedly she's gone back to London because she got (laughs) spooked. I guess the other thing with the Melissa situation is... uh, Well, let's unpack that a little bit. Mm -hmm. So Melissa's being... Getting threatening texts before Charlotte's release. She's being told she needs to give some money or the video of her saying she killed, she buried Bethany Young will be released. Right. So she gives that money and then is just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. So we know that uh, Charlotte was making, made a call to Ren or according to Melissa from her, from her care she was able to make a call to Ren. So she had some connections to the outside world mm-hmm. during this time, presumably. Right. So does that mean she was threatening Melissa? Does that mean Sarah Harvey was working as her agent still to threaten Melissa? I think it all goes back to this NAT club situation and Charlotte's interactions with them and with her brother, who she was dating, which is like this whole other level of the show that I feel like... You know, we're going to get some like 
five minute flashback that explains it and it's going to feel very unsatisfactory yeah as much as i want the nat club to be around i guess i what i'm thinking of is okay so you're uh you're a pretty little liars writer yes and you're in the writer's room and you you're planning season 6b with this five years forward brand new villain this new murder mystery all that you are trying to cope with the idea that a lot of people are pissed off about the way that that you and your staff revealed A. Right. Uh, and so you, in writing the new s- season, uh, go out of your way to make sure that you are not offensive in the way that you handle a transgender character by by killing the character right so you so you basically in, in some ways you martyr the character yes but i don't think that the show has i don't think the show is is stupid enough in in understanding its fans that it would position charlotte as 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 a villain still. Still, uh, still being as being this devious character right who's plotting through this whole right time. so i feel like you know i feel like any ideas that we have that would involve charlotte as this devious manipulative person right who either might still be alive or was manipulating all this from the grave kind right. of thing right uh i don't i think that i think that we almost have to like put this in context with the way that the show is being written now like if it and received right well so that i mean that assumes that the writers room heard the critiques took it seriously and it influenced the direction of the season i don't know if that's the case i don't know if i haven't been keeping up with anyone being interviewed and so on but uh i think marlene king for sure is very aware of how it was received okay okay yeah but i don't think I don't think that necessarily means that they will run away from the narrative convenience of having Charlotte be doing more badness and from even just being able to have more Charlotte on the show mm-hmm. in some kind of flashbacky way. I mean, for them to go through seven full episodes without her at all is kind of amazing to me because it was such a big deal to make the reveal. And it's not like she was such a regular character on the show in the first place. Right. We just haven't seen a lot of her and for her to not, for there to be no alley flashbacks for there to be like really no coverage of that time at all. Uh, it feels to me like they're either saving it or they are trying to be respectful and not get themselves in trouble. Uh, but I would actually, I would lean more toward they're going to bring her back. She's too juicy. Yeah. I I think they will brave the uh, potential pushback um, by continuing to have her be this villainous, unredeemed character. I mean, there is a part of me that's like, don't treat this with with. It's almost just as offensive to to treat Charlotte with with kids gloves, you know, to like tiptoe around her as just a as just a character, a a, a human being character, and it's just like because I feel like. Yeah, the reveal was handled in a really kind of dubious way. But to then take this character who all you want is to to treat 
to not treat this character as a gimmick anymore. Right, as like the stereotype. Like to not then turn her into a saint or a martyr, you know? Yeah. It's like, no, she's still a really troubled person who maybe isn't, maybe has, you know, reformed and is, is, is genuine about that, but has these very dark things inside of her. Right. Well, yeah. And I think the show, because of its, because of the way it sort of tries to guide us or taunt us or present certain things as being good or bad, um, it tends to struggle to make some of its characters three dimensional outside of the liars themselves. And someone like, uh, Toby, who I thought in this episode, we got to see him really grappling with this relationship and being, uh, in the flashback sequence and having some maturity and having ideas about, you know, recognizing that the relationship wasn't working. He's got, and, he's got, a, he's got a nice right hook too. Well, sure. <laughs> uh, we haven't even talked about yeah. him, him punching Caleb, but you know, it's just this, this moment of the character is being, you know, maybe having a little bit more depth than we thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciated that. And it's just like the show is not able or chooses not to, give that kind of attention to every single character, you know, but unfortunately when you try to humanize Charlotte in the span of a single episode where you also reveal that she's the villain, uh, that's really hard to do. Right. I mean, we've seen with this season that they're really taking their time and like showing us some of the stuff that happened during the five year period and like slowly building out these characters as like these adults, what, what, um, the pathway they took to adulthood yeah you know and so i i think it remains like this mistake that they didn't give charlotte that opportunity or that they have not yet and i so that's why i feel like there will be more charlotte to come uh we did get we we did get a lot of mona in this episode Mm -hmm. Um, more than we have in a long time yeah and the cliffhanger that she was the person who called Charlotte from the from the bar or whatever, yeah. uh, because she's the person who has this uh, the dice on her keychain, yeah. and Emily confronts her, and it's great to see Emily in in badass mode, being like, "You get in the fucking car. You need to get in the car. <laughs> we need to deal with this now." Um, but you know what? It's going to be though. It's going to be this classic Pretty Little Liars thing where Mona just says whatever explanation, and Emily's going to be like, "Okay, I believe you," and then yeah. let's just move forward with this like two sentences of yeah, whatever of it's excuse. Okay. Emily, Emily is already convinced that it was Melissa who's driving the car. That's true. Um, typical PLL ness. Yeah, just like oh. Uh, I suspect this person, therefore that person is the culprit, and I'm going to act like that until I have irrefutable evidence that it's not that person anymore. Right. Uh, and then old Tobers punched his best friend in the nose. Yeah, well, he thought he betrayed him. But see, that's the thing, man. I just... Uh, I I understand that like it's very romantic and noble of Caleb to think that he's doing something right i think it's i think he's i think it's hubris i think he thinks he can control this situation and protect everyone which is why he's been sort of acting on his own sending these videos trying to hack into shit you're right actually that's you're you're right because uh when he's sitting on the park bench with spencer um he does say i i won't let anything happen to you right 
And right. you're, he, and your, is, your response is like, good fucking luck, bro. Yeah, he is way he is way overconfident. Yeah. And I think he kind of deserves to get punched in the face because he is like hiding things from his girlfriend. He is just like he's just being super reckless right now and it's making me anxious and he does need to I think the show is going to give him some comeuppance because the show does not like hubris. I wanna know where he slept that night. It's a good question. That that park bench. Well, and then like there's the weird conversation between Hannah and her mom where her mom's like, Oh, Caleb's gonna stay with us even though Caleb was like Oh, I'm not going to stay with you. I'm just going to go do something else. Mm-hmm. And like that scene literally just happened and it was definitive. And there was no like second phone call of like, you know what? I'm just out here on the freeway going through motels. And actually, I really do need to crash with you. <laughs> yeah. Like, why did what, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I think that um, also, why is why does Hannah give a fuck? Hannah's staying at Lucas's place. Right. You know? Well, it's just, you know, it's just an excuse for her to. Go on. It's just again. It's like an excuse for her to just. It's like one of these things where the show creates this opportunity for this scene to happen in this way that with it with a justification that didn't really make sense. (laughs) So that's cool. Like 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 much of this episode. Yeah. So it was an okay episode. Yeah. Um, There were some interesting developments. I am sort of interested to see what happens with the Arya. Ezra Liam situation because Liam seems like totally chill and I feel like he's inevitably going to get destroyed in the return of the Ezra ship. We watched this episode on Hulu. Um, you know what, Hulu? If you want to sponsor our podcast, that'd be awesome. Yeah, sponsor you could, us, you could throw us a few dollars yeah. or even just get take the ads off of Dom's Hulu subscription. Yeah. <laughs> that would be but really pain that. $13 a month. That would be really nice. Um, but uh, I remembered that we were, we were trying to find the next week preview. And I remember that actually, I, I think I saw, I watched the next week preview. Uh, you, maybe you dreamed it. Uh, well, listeners at home, tell me if I dreamed this. Um, I think that Allie falls down the stairs and it's, imp- and it might be implied that her, um, Bo, if he didn't push her, he was there, and it could be construed as him pushing her down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe also Hannah utters the words, I killed Charlotte. But based on reading synopses, I th- or preview synopses, uh, so non-spoiling synopses, I think that this is, that Hannah confessing to the murder is a way to draw out new fake A. Ah, yes. Basically. But what about the actual murderers, plural? Well, okay. We'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens. At, at this point, I just kind of want them to tell us what's going on because I don't know how much sort of circling <laughs> and, and, and false evidence and, like, you know... T- standard Pretty Little Liars mid-season episodes. I don't know how many more of these I can uh, <laughs> deal with. Like, I'm interested in them as characters. I'm interested in the mystery. The two coexisting in the way they have in the last couple episodes has been has not felt uh, as energetic and crisp as it did earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will agree. say it's nice that we got some new evidence that was like immediately dealt with uh, with the 
Mona thing because mm-hmm. the whole car thing is totally not interesting, and it's also a distraction from um, Emily's eggs, which were not mentioned in this episode. There's no just like oh Emily, Emily doesn't seem too concerned about finding her eggs anymore. Yeah, and no, she did not care at all in this episode. No, and apparently neither does A. Yeah, it's it's just yeah. So it's it's feeling it's just feeling a little bit confusing. Uh, so I look forward to getting toward a season finale that hopefully clears some things up or at least gives us a cliffhanger. Well, I guess what I'm, what I'm seeing is something that I feel like could have been rectified given how it's turned out before, which is that this mystery is building at such a pace and to such a degree that it's it's feeling needlessly complicated so that the, the explanation of whatever the explanation is, uh, which we're probably not going to find out until the end of like next season. uh, It's, it's going to be dissatisfactory in the same way that the Charlotte reveal was for many people. Right. You know, because it's so complicated because it's It's, it's, it's burrowing into so many corners that it's just not going to be able to come out of. Right. Um, but, I mean, that said, you know, it wasn't a terrible episode. It wasn't like I hated it. But No, I, I thought it was, like I said, I thought it, was, it is, thought it was pretty good. There were just a lot of moments that felt a little bit confusing. And I don't think they were because, you know, you get to a point in the season where there's so much that you have to keep track of that it's hard to just know what's going on mm-hmm. if you're not super obsessive, uh, which I don't have the energy to be at this this point in my life beyond you know these these substantial recaps i think that we do um but there there was just a lot of moments where it just felt you know a little bit forced a little bit awkward and that made it feel sort of hard to watch yeah you know i guess maybe i'm feeling the fatigue too i i, I don't and that is that's in no way means that i that i dislike the show anymore nor that i want to stop watching it i do guess though that um and this this might be a discussion best left for another time, but when you become this involved in something and you start to see the patterns in it uh, and you start to see a lot of the the obligatory plotting, um, I don't know. I, I feel like it, you can't help but notice that some of the magic is, is getting sort of drained out of it. Right. We see... We see the formula, right? And we know that we're not being given. We know when we when we're being given false leads. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was nice that there were actually a couple things in this episode that felt like surprising or funny or not what I thought was going to happen. Uh, but at the same time, like the show, still this is still a show that spent like two episodes making us think it was going to be Arya's dad. You know, or that it was going to be Ezra. And it's like, well, all right. I mean, that's five episodes of, you know, drawing the tension toward this particular character who everyone knows is not actually going to be the thing. But go back and listen to our old episodes and we'll basically I feel like all of our old episodes are basically us just repeating the same ideas. And it's because it's like, well, this happened and we know that it's not going to turn out this way (laughs) because it never has. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, But that's that's why I remain excited about the idea of. Um, what they're going to do with Sarah Harvey because it seems so clear that it can't possibly be anyone else that but Sarah Harvey who's acting as the new A and who's trying to find out what happened to Charlotte because she was still in cahoots with Charlotte. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think that's the thing is like Sarah Harvey is going to be the new A, but it's the real mystery is going to be who killed Charlotte. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like the liars are so flummoxed by here's what I don't understand. Just text Sarah and be like, listen, we know you're Sarah Harvey. Duh, dummy. We don't know who killed Charlotte. How about we meet and talk about this and try to help each other? Instead yeah. of this like terrorist bullshit that you're pulling on us, yeah, like just yeah, just tell a like we literally don't know who killed Charlotte. We don't, yeah. Um, so leave us the fuck alone, or let's figure this shit out together. Right. You 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 are wasting time. Yeah, you were wasting exactly. You were wasting. You're your wasting effort. time. Yeah. Uh, did, have you, uh, have you guys watched uh the new Judd Apatow show Love on Netflix? Not yet. Um, I watched a few episodes, but. And it's only ten episodes long. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I want to. I've, I've watched three episodes. I don't know if I want to keep going. Um, but it's because you, even within that, you start to see patterns, and you see because it's the, the the show is essentially about these two characters who are very very different people, and it's the they're sort of like burgeoning relationship, and at a very slow pace of them coming together. Um, and you you can you you see them fulfilling very typical archetypes about h- how people act in movies or TV in relationships, which is that you you know that they're going to do something incredibly selfish that's going to fuck up them getting to know each other, and you know that they're both going to do it, and then you see it happening over and over, and you're just like. I'm sick of this same shit happening over and over. I I know it's probably more realistic to have characters commit the same faults over and over without learning from them because right. that's what humans do, but that doesn't make for intriguing storytelling. Right. Well, that was like the the critique of Mad Men on the last couple seasons where it's just like Don Draper going through the motions of Don Draperhood, mm-hmm. you know, and I I enjoyed it in a way because first of all, he became decentralized as the he was no longer the main character, it felt like to me. Mm-hmm. He there was still a lot of attention given to him, but you know, everyone else in the office, Peggy and so on, becomes more and more of a rich character. And so Don's inability to move forward, uh, which felt pretty realistic versus this like artificial happy ending where the character goes through a life changing montage, mm-hmm. you know, if that happens in every romantic comedy. I thought it was actually nice to have the show be brave enough to be boring and to be repetitive. Yeah, but it was it was able to do it because it was balanced out. And in the end, you know, he does go through this change and he does have these realizations and try to, like, go through this kind of spiritual shedding of his material goods and all this stuff, you know, which and when that happens, like the show almost I would have ended it before the finale. It didn't need the finale, Mm -hmm. you know, because he's already given away everything. And then he has to go through this whole thing where everything becomes like very obvious and textual instead of subtextual. And, you know. Uh, Spoiler alert! If you haven't watched, well, <laughs> I mean, Mad Men. <laughs> uh, you'll you'll find out. I'm not I'm not giving too much away. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, per, yeah per I know se. What you're um, but yeah, I mean, it's just this question of like the reality of the situation versus like what's actually fun to watch, what's actually entertaining. Well, I think that you know this might be uh, in some ways an argument against such intensive serialization because I think that this is. You can use sort of uh, a gold standard of serialized television, which I think is not lost, but X-Files, which had a strong serialized uh, 
uh, backbone to it, which is, you know, uh, popularly referred to as the mythology. And so you had either mythology episodes or standalone episodes, which are referred to as Monster of the Week episodes. And not only are the Monster of the Week episodes usually the best ones because they're self-contained stories and they draw upon your familiarity with the characters. I mean, it's like, it's like any of those, like, it's like any, it's like Law and Order SVU or Bones or fucking, I don't know what else. Uh, yeah. You you can watch it one at a time, but the more time you spent with the characters, you get to know it them. becomes yeah. vivid. It becomes richer. And then, and then the storytelling itself, you, you either have, you either have a show that's trying, basically just like telling the same story and over and over, like a Law and Order, or you have a show like the X-Files, which was especially in like its fifth, sixth, seventh seasons, really trying to tell new individual stories. Right. Um, because they started, they were obviously realizing that they were running into a formula uh, and making a real hard effort to break out of that formula. Man, but I that, think that like. That is what I love about season one of Star Trek, the original series, where. Every episode is just like the most bonkers thing. There's like all this time traveling. They go to the end of the universe. They run into like the guy who invented warp drives. Like there is this, as you go through the series, there is this sort of, you know, the core ideas of the show about, you know, the importance of humanity and our flaws and our emotions and all this stuff versus like presented against evil robots or evil alien deities or, Mm -hmm. you know, all this stuff. It becomes about like, Basically, it's a show about the triumph of the human spirit, right? You know, uh, and so you ha- you do have all these repeated scenarios, but it's the and especially the relationships with, between Kirk and Spock and McCoy are all pretty clear, you know. And and there, there's episodes where it's subversive and Spock becomes gets emotions and things like that. But yeah. you know, you have the predictability of those emo- of those relationships and of the sort of central themes of the show. But then they apply that to like just the wildest possible scenarios. Oh, let's have them go back to gangster Chicago. Let's have them do like the most insane things we could possibly do and take the show way, way out of like the initial idea of people flying around in a, you know, Starcraft. Right. And then, and then, but now you have a show like love, uh, these shows on Netflix, which, um, I, I feel like a lot of the, Netflix original programming lately has been uh I, I, I respect it, but I usually get bored by it. And that's why I thought I th- the Aziz show, uh The Master of None was really good. I thought it was really good too. Um But that was partially because it took a page from Louis C. K. and like there were some episodes that felt pretty self contained and explored right. an a, a single idea or theme versus being like you know, new girl episodes or something like it wasn't a sitcom. Right. And, but I think like something like love, uh, which Judd Apatow is, I, I don't dislike Judd Apatow, but I'll come out and say that I think that everything he does is just like, so it takes, it, it's so long and it's just, he, he takes forever to make a point, And I feel like he's trying to make the same point that he just could have made in an hour and a half that he takes two or three hours to make. Right. Um, but love and uh, I, I I enjoy Jessica Jones, but I I just it's so slow and I and I just I I 
I stopped. I don't know if I'll, I'll, I want to pick it up again. Oh, the, the end's pretty good. Okay, it gets better. But I just but feel yeah, like, it's a it's a slog. But these it's, are like this is and and even like House of Cards, which I enjoy a lot. Uh, but I it's just it it takes a long time to get places, and I think it's like they go into it with this idea that it's like we have we have this format that is like perfect because we can spend 10 hours telling a story and you're going to watch all of it because you have it all in front of you now. Well, this is, this is the weird thing, right? Is that you have the service where someone's going to sit down and bench watch it and talk about it for like a week or two, mm-hmm. you know, no one's going to give themselves an episode a week and like take two months to go through love or, or whatever it is. And you have None of the constraints of traditional television, and yet instead of reinvent TV and say, "Well, we're going to make this," the length of this story is five hours. The length of the story is, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. It's like well, let's do it in a fairly traditional way, and we'll do a ten episode order or a thirteen episode order, or you know, it's not. It's a new me. It's it's it should be a new medium, and it's not really being treated that way. You know, it's not yeah. really being treated necessarily like you're going to binge it. It's not being treated, you know, I mean, people want to make, I'm sure a lot of it has to do with just like finances and the way the business works and like the easiness of like doing things in a particular way and paying people based on that and all that. You know, I don't know enough to talk about it, but I'm sure that plays a role. But yeah, it is this thing of like, okay, why does Jessica Jones need to be the number of hours? Like, couldn't you, you know, you don't have to fill up your spring line up what difference does it make same with daredevil which i actually i didn't get all the way through i got maybe like seven seven episodes through and it's and it's it's i thought it was good but it's slow it's just i guess you know whereas maybe you know like in the in the era of television where you have something like twilight zone which every episode is self-contained and so therefore it's sort of storytelling at its most efficient and peak. Uh, But nowadays, you know, it's like, I would, I would think that like someone who wrote the twilight zone or someone who worked on the X-Files would look at a serialized television today and be like, that seems like a lot of work to stretch a story out to five, six hours. Whereas now, excuse me. Now I think that we're getting to the point where it's like, I I I uh, challenge Judd Apatow to tell a story in forty five minutes, right? A self contained story, right? And it's like he can't do it. I challenge. You know, I feel like it's just we've we've like lost the i the the real essential idea in making a very contained well-constructed story because we don't have to anymore because everything is serialized and because you make a lot more money on having just more of something true whether it's the metric is like how many hours did somebody watch netflix or the metric is how many sequels to twilight can you make how many you know can you split three books into four movies you know how many fucking things can they can can you be sold you know so there is like there are a lot of commercial reasons for maximalism uh and that goes all the way back to dickens writing by getting paid by the word or whatever well which 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 is strange though because it's like especially when you have tv 
you divide them up into these episodes, but it's almost completely uh, inconsequential what these episodes are. Well, the thing- I don't remember like like ma- like Master None is a good example because it is serialized and it has a through line, but you remember specific episodes because it's very. Um, it it makes a very clear effort to divide up episodes. Right. Now but, I think, but in a drama, I think in a comedy, you're more likely to remember which was a really funny episode, but in a drama, yeah. especially like pretty little liars, there's like two or three memorable episodes a season, yeah. you know, otherwise it's just one long story and whatever, you know, no one's going to go back and rewatch pretty little liars season six, episode 12. You know, <laughs> well, like I got to watch the finale yeah. again, maybe. I got to admit, you know, like I, I got into Pretty Little Liars and we've talked about this. I got into Pretty Little Liars by binging the ever loving shit out of it uh, for like maybe its first three seasons. Right. And then I started watching it on TV. And it's easier when you're watching it on TV uh, week by week to conceptualize individual episodes. But if you're binge watching it. I always think it's unbelievable that people have like favorite episodes from the first two seasons of Pretty Little Liars because it's like I don't it's just one big long blur to me. Totally. You know, I don't remember specific episodes. Well, I, at all. yeah, I don't if we weren't I don't even remember what happened two weeks ago. I remember last week, you know, because <laughs> yeah. we talked about it. But yeah. yeah, I mean it's all yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting thing to think about. The I will never forget the sentient car. <laughs> yeah, how, how could we forget? Episode episode seventeen. Um well we're not going to solve the future of TV tonight, uh, but thank you as always for listening in. Uh, you can talk to us. We didn't on, even talk about Carly Rae Jepsen. We, we did not. We saw Carly Rae, but we're we should probably wrap this up. We'll Save <laughs> it for next so. week. Uh, you can talk to us on Twitter at, at PLGM Podcast. Uh, talk to us about going to see this Carly Rae Jepsen tour, which is amazing, and you should go catch her. Give me love. Give it's, love. it's just phenomenal. It completely if you like her music at all, you will have a wonderful night. We did. We had a we had a very wonderful night. Um and uh I gotta say, I think that us uh talking about you listeners going on iTunes and, and starring us has actually worked because we've gotten a few new star ratings lately. That's good. Yeah, please. If you if you have not dropped a little podcast review for us on iTunes uh, always appreciated. Helps us reach some new people. Um, just a good, a good, nice thing for, good, nice way for you to show your support. Yeah, and um, you know, maybe we should start doing. Maybe we should like start reading reviews or something like giving back. I, I don't even remember. Do we have a we have an email address? Don't we? Yeah, we do. <laughs> do you remember what the? the oh, you know what? We we talk about this like every three weeks, and um. I'll go through my email and find oh, it and yeah, send it to something. you. And then we can have it. It's easiest to find us on Twitter. And you can say stuff to us on Twitter. Um, and you can you can direct message us. Because uh, I think now now direct messaging has no... You can set it to just be open. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you can, you can basically just write us an email on Twitter. Uh, because we don't remember our email address. We'll figure it out. We yeah. will. <laughs> And you can, and then, and then, if you write us a nice message, we'll read it. We'll start reading viewer feedback and such, um, or or ask us questions to discuss. Give us theory yeah. things to talk about. We that would be really fun. At PLGM Podcast on Twitter. Um, but thank you for tuning in and writing nice reviews and listening to us. And uh, and then in two weeks, we'll. Won't have any more Pretty Little Liar stuff to talk about. 
Um, so we'll we'll probably go back to talking about whatever we want to talk about. Although Dave just found a new movie starring Ashley Benson that we should probably yes. Watch. There's another there's another PLL actress. One of these like terrible looking straight to video movies. Uh, we'll have to watch, and that can be an episode it's called Ratter. R- Ratter, right? It stars Matt McGorry from Netflix series Orange Is the New Black. Oh, who's who's he? He is the uh, security officer who uh, Bennett who falls in love. Oh, is the, the and former imp- uh, and impregnates uh, one of the army, women. Uh, yeah, officer in Iraq. Yeah, the vet. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, well, good for him that he's still got work. Yeah, good no, for he's Ashley on, Benson. He's on another TV show too. He's on uh, How to Get Away with Murder. Oh, I've heard good things about that show. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. Me neither. There's too many shows to watch. There are. Uh, well, until next week. Uh, I would well, say stars on iTunes, bitches. But I think we should come up with one car-related. The car is alive, bitches. <laughs> vroom, vroom. Vroom, vroom, bitches. <laughs> vroom, vroom, bitches. <laughs> or, yeah, scrapey, weird, weird, funky. Bitches. Keeping for you never tell